0: For our guests, we're so glad that you're here. Paul, thanks the church in Philippi for their partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now, which means that for some of us, some of those very first days were were decades ago, many, many years ago. Uh, And maybe for you, that very first day is today. Uh, But we are passionate about the gospel here, not passionate about buildings, but we're passionate about a God who provides for us in amazing ways. And uh, today I'd like to take some time just to tell the story of our church, to connect us all to our story, uh, no matter how long you've, you've been here. But I wonder if you were here on that very first Sunday, can you stand up? Everybody who was here the first Sunday that our church met in this building, <laughs> let's thank God for these folks. Amen. God has been good, guys, right? And I know there's more Brents out there, Marie's out there, uh, Stephen Williams serving in children's ministry, probably others. Let's look at Psalm 77. This is in verse 11 through 15. The psalmist writes, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder All your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we turn now to your word, which is alive and active, that your spirit would be at work, Lord, uh, taking us. by the hand, even through our history, not for the purpose of storytelling, but so that we could see you and your hand and your power at work, uh, and to build faith, Lord, that if you have brought us uh, safe thus far, certainly your grace will lead us home. So Lord, be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As as I said, we have decided to take this this morning uh, to celebrate. And as you saw in the video, we have arrived at another milestone. I think it's appropriate uh, to stop and pause when you hit a milestone. And this certainly is a milestone in our church's history. Again, after 21 years in our building, we were able, by God's grace, to eliminate $1.7 million of remaining debt. And we own this facility free and clear. And this is just an incredible moment. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And all of this sits on top of 35 plus years of God's faithfulness to us as a church. And all of this provides us with a wonderful reason to do exactly what the psalmist does in Psalm 77. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. I I I want to do the best that I can this morning to tell the story of our church and to connect us to our story. But but look again at our text. I do want to begin with our text. Uh it, it does say I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. And I wonder I wonder what what you notice here, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Well, certainly you see that word remember. And when the, the psalmist says that that he will remember, twice, when he will ponder, when he will meditate, the psalmist actually enters into a deep and meaningful stream, not just of something to do, but a deep stream of obedience to God. He's actually obeying God in this psalm. And what I mean is that God commanded his people of old to remember, to remember. We see this a ton in Deuteronomy. For example, in Deuteronomy 5.15, God says, you shall remember through his word that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In chapter seven, it says, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt in Deuteronomy 8.2, and you shall remember. The whole way that the Lord God has led you through these 40 years in the wilderness. And it's the same in chapter 15 and chapter 16 and twice in chapter 24. And it should strike us that these are commands from God. You shall remember. We all, Of course, we're, we're mostly familiar, most of you would be familiar with the Ten Commandments and the importance of the Ten Commandments, but no command of God to his people is meant to be overlooked, and it, it carries the specific heart and will of God for his people. As a matter of fact, one of the tragedies of the decline of Israel during the time of the judges connects to this very command. Look at verse 34 of chapter 8 in Judges. It says, "And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord, their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all of their enemies on every side." You see, God God has in his heart and his mind a desire for his people to remember. The the second thing to consider is is how interesting the command to remember is. Because because the command to remember does at least two things, I think. First, the, the command to remember connects you to your story. I think that's the idea. I think that was the idea for the heart of God, for his people of old. And you see that in the command itself. Remember what I did. Remember your story. Remember that you were slaves at one point, and with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, your God delivered you. Remembering certainly connects us to our story, but secondly, remember remembering connects us to the power and goodness and faithfulness of God to them. It's not just remember your story, it's specifically remember how powerful God was and is in your story. Remember the works of God. Consider and meditate, ponder on how great God has been to you. And to consider specifically, these aren't generic commands. Remember that you were slaves. And, and that sentence was meant in Deuteronomy to the people of God. This is the generation that's about to, to cross over. It would have brought back all those years of bondage and slavery. And all that that meant and how how amazing it was that God in his and his power that night that the angel of death came and spared them because of the blood that was on, the, on their doors. And they walked out of there having plundered Egypt, only to get to a, a, a block and a, a sea in front of them, an armies behind them. We get to meet one day and talk to people who stood on those shores and watched the sea spread into them. And they walked across. And then closed over the armies of God. Eliminating the fear that the armies would just go around and catch up with you another day. These are amazing events that God is calling them to remember. So in a sense, this is what the psalmist is doing. He's simply obeying the command of God when he says, I will remember. I will remember. The deeds of the Lord, yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. So I remember. I will remember. I remember almost all the way back to the beginning of our church. Our church, Redeemer Church, and this is the story, was planted in 1987. And yes, the 80s, that was the decade of Ronald Reagan and MTV and the original Top Gun, by the way, breakdancing, yuppies, leg warmers, uh, hair metal bands, and, and many other things, both good and bad. But we were planted out of Sovereign Grace Ministries, which was a ministry that actually emerged out of the charismatic movement of the 1970s. By the late 80s, PDI, as it was known back then, was really ramping up church planting, and that included uh, the planting of our church in 1987. Steve Shank and a church planting team from Cleveland, Ohio packed up their lives, and they moved to Virginia Beach to, to start a church. Chip and Charlotte Parker are back here, a part of the original church planting team from Cleveland, Ohio. And our church then was called the Harbor. I know this is a grainy picture. That that's the best that I guess graphics could do back then. We had to pull this off of a VHS as well from the archives. But the church was called called the Harbor. And it first met in the Shanks home, but the church actually grew very quickly. Within the first year, two more pastors were added: John Butler and my dad, Bob. Hughes, who's here. They, uh, Our dad moved our family across the country from Tempe, Arizona. I've said a few times that I'm from Arizona. We are. And people ask, well, how did you get to Virginia Beach? Well, we came because of this church. We came because the church was being planted, and my dad felt a call from the Lord to come and be a part of it. So he moved our family across the country, and he was uh, a part of the pastoral team. I was 16 years old at the time. And in the first year of our church, the the church moved from the home. It outgrew the home. It went to a daycare center, outgrew the daycare center, and finally moved over to the Holiday Inn off Newtown Road. Can you picture it? So our church was at Newtown Road at the Holiday Inn in that first year. Our first 10 years as a church, uh, they were a decade of foundations and establishment and growth. And I'll tell you that we were, number one, established on The gospel of Jesus Christ. We were a church that was passionate about Jesus. We were passionate about his work in our lives. We were passionate about doing life with a vital connection to Jesus through a a real relationship with him, through his spirit. We were not a church where all the religious stuff happened on Sundays and then you went back to normal life. During the week, now Jesus had transformed our lives, all of life. We were passionate in worship. We were passionate about God's Word and the preaching of God's Word. We were passionate about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. And secondly, we were established in relationships. We were established on the gospel, and we were established in relationships. From the very beginning, our church was convinced that the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. God plans for us to experience meaningful relationships, deep friendships with one another, relationships that make possible obedience to all of the commands in the New Testament that say one another, all of the one another's of the New Testament are meant to be done in relationship. We met together, we served together, we encouraged each other, we participated in ministry and mission together. And all of this, by the way, certainly in the context of community groups. So Alex just talked a moment ago about how we do community groups. It's a really important thing. We say it every Sunday because it's, it really is a priority of ours uh, as we as we walk out our, our Christian life together, that has been the case all the way since the beginning. We've had community groups. They haven't always been called that, but we've had community groups ever since the beginning because of our desire to grow in relationships. So it's in the first decade of our church that we, we were established, and then we grew. We were a church for lost souls, a church for lost sheep, uh, and it was also early on in that first decade that we changed our church's name, because nobody really liked the harbor. Honestly, it just sounded like a bar down at the beach, you know what I mean? It was just, it just was weird, and I get it, you know, we're ships, and we go out, and that the, 's the tossed and turned by the, the seas or whatever, but you come into the harbor, and you get, you know, loaded up and fixed up and refreshed, and then you go back out, um, which is, by the way, we're part of the harbor network. I know, and I told Dave Owens this. I was like, oh man, it used to be called Sojourn Network, and I loved Sojourn, and they're like, we're going to change the name, and it's and they did this big reveal, and it was like The Harbor, and I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I get it. We changed our name to Southside. Here's another picture. This is a banner, Southside, a church for this generation. What's interesting about that picture is not just the pink, the 80s, like pink, and and uh, whatever that green was called back then. Uh, but that's my dad there as a, as a pastor, and Steve Shank, our, our church planter. Here's another interesting thing. That was at a church picnic. We've been doing church picnics ever since the beginning, almost since the very beginning of our church, because of our commitment to relationships, uh, to, to having fun, to celebrating together. But, but Southside became the name of our church and we would meet for short stints after the Holiday and at Brandon Middle School, fun fact, and then Kempsville Middle School. Uh, but then finally we landed, really for the longest time, at Salem Middle School. For the remainder of our time, we were at Salem Middle School. We averaged about 600 people on Sunday mornings. We added two more pastors, so there was a pastoral team of five uh, we went to, to celebration conferences. If you know, you know. We established our team group, our singles groups, men and women's ministry. This was a, a decade of establishment of of growth. Incidentally, it was also within these first ten years that le- that that my dad Bob led an exploratory search for land that could potentially become the spot for our new home, our church home. It was in those first ten years that that Dad got wind of twenty two point eight acres that was going on the market at the corner of Centerville and Elbow Road, Centerville Turnpike and Elbow Road. Now, at that time, out here was was still kind of on the outskirts of both Kimpsville and Greenbriars. It's not quite the sticks, but back then it was it was a bit of a bridge far uh, from from where most of the church was at, but but. We made a deal, and because of money that we, we saved and with the members of the church then, um, we, we took some offerings and kind of gave generously and radically, and we were able to pay in cash for the land in those first 10 years here where we're sitting now today. So that was about half a million dollars at that point. God had provided for us a place that we would call home. The, the land was amazingly ours and paid for by the members of the church, but it would sit undeveloped. I want to fast forward to 1997. This is this is at our 10-year anniversary. So 10 years into our church in 1997, a few significant things happened. The, the first thing was we planted our first church out of uh, this church, and we planted it in Denver, Colorado, and this actually was a very unique church plant, uh, because when all was said and done, we literally planted a church. Like, we didn't send a church planting team. We literally, like, sent a church. And what I mean by that is, eventually, four out of the five pastors that were pastoring here moved to Denver, and another 120 people from our church eventually all moved to Denver. So literally, they started (laughs) with 120 people and pastors on site, and it was a huge undertaking for us, and it was a tremendous sacrifice for us as a remaining church, as you can imagine, and sending so many uh, away, but at the same time, as much as it it represented uh, a, a lot of the emotions of seeing really close friends go and, and pastors that have been serving go, it was really emotional during those times, but it, it also represented the height of excitement because we we knew that the mission of the church wasn't to just kind of band together, but Christ has always meant to, to scatter us and to plant churches and to go into all the world. So there was this, this real excitement that we were a part of the mission of Christ in the church as we were planting churches. And it was awesome because the holes that were left by leaders were filled. It was kind of this next man, next woman step up into holes and and ways that were kind of above our heads. Uh, It affected my family. It affected me personally because I became one of the replacement pastors of one of those four that was sent out. And so I entered into full-time pastoral ministry then in nineteen. uh, ninety seven I wonder how many of you were there in ninety seven when we planted that church in Denver? Raise your hands see another and, and more so than we're here yeah it's it's incredible how God during those times uh, was meeting us. It was also in nineteen ninety seven that we you guessed it changed our name again. we just I guess we're like the name changed church uh, around here. And, and what it was connected to, the, the PDI, the family of churches that we are part of, changed their name to Sovereign Grace Ministries. I mentioned them before. And to mark the change of an era for our church going into the second decade, we then renamed our church in connection to Sovereign Grace. Uh, we just named our church Sovereign Grace Church. Here's a, a sign. That's the logo. That's my family. That's not 1997. But you can see the logo. Uh, Sovereign Grace Church became who we were. We were still at Salem Middle School, and John Butler became our senior pastor, and the DNA of our church continued in our church. Uh, And and finally, in the next couple years, even though we had sent away a large group of committed members of our church, which also represented a a large uh, chunk of finances uh, in our church, we still felt faith at that time to initiate a building project. We had the land that was already paid for, and we felt like our time in the schools uh, was coming to an end, uh, that God wanted to place us into our own church home. It was a time to build, uh, and that was a very exciting time as well because because God had to move or it was going to fall flat on its face. You You don't send 150 people away and then start a building. Program. It'd be better to do the building program when those 150 people, committed people, committed enough to, to pack up their lives to go move for a church. Uh, but instead, no, we just felt like this was God, what God was calling us to. And it was exciting because everyone was in. We had a, a campaign where everyone made a yearly pledge above their normal tithes and offerings. We had tons of of fundraisers i mean those days it just was about the building fund anything that we could put into the god's calling is he going to give us a home let's let's do car washes let's you know you raise dozens and dozens of dollars at these things right and you put them into the building fund here's a picture of one family um and this would have been common this is uh i think we have it a a fund a building fund do you see anything up there all right anyway there's a can that, you know families would have building fund there yeah, there it is like, let's raise these walls, like ch- children artwork, you know, and, and this, this was common. You just would get money, and you'd put, uh, again, dozens and dozens of dollars in there and, and give it, and we'd all save up. But it was, it was really an amazing time. We weren't asking everybody for equal giving, matching each other. It was just equal sacrifice. If we sacrificed together then, we could build something that would last in the future, we thought. So the original design for this building would cost us just over six million dollars. This was the deal back then, and we're trying to raise money. And the problem that we had was, as as fast as we could raise money, uh, the cost of building only increased at the same rate that we were saving money. Um, and so, while it was our desire uh, originally to just raise the money and and you kind of be one of those. Debt-free churches and just move in. Um, we really were convinced by the, through the wisdom of others that that if you keep doing that, you'll never actually be able to build. The cost of the building is just going to keep going up. And so, why, why don't you uh, go ahead and, and deposit or down payment uh, what you have and what you raise, and then finance the rest, um, and then continue to pay off the building as if you're you're radically giving and and saving, but instead of saving, you're a- actually uh, paying it off. And so in those, those years, it was really amazing. We raised $1.5 million on the day that we broke ground. We had or $1.5 million raised in those few years, raised and, and saved. And so we broke ground. Um, and then we moved into this facility, as you know, in November of, of 2002. We ended up raising another $500,000 before we moved in during that year that it was being built. Um, and the building was just over $6 million. So we financed $4 million at that time and developed uh, the building fund, which would be the fund that we could give into that would be uh, specifically de- uh, designed or designated to pay down this building. So we paid our mortgage every month, as you can imagine, through our, our general fund. But any you wanted to contribute to the building fund, and then most of what we had a- extra at the end of every year uh, would go into that. As a matter of fact, I, we've got a picture of some of the the building brochures back in those days. All these campaigns, the land acquisition phase, breaking ground, and you open up all these, and it had all the all the exciting information about what was going on and how God was going to use these campaigns. That top one, the land acquisition acquisition, by the way, says Southside Church at the top, and then the others, Sovereign Grace Church. Uh, so we we. We were just blown away in those days. If you can imagine walking into this building when it was brand new on that first day uh, to celebrate. Uh, you talk about the word establishment. It's, it's interesting what happens when you move from a school to your own facility as a church. It was almost like we became real boy. Well, I'm a real boy. You know what I mean? We weren't, we were like, we're a real church. You know, now we have our own, our own home. And the, the sacrifice and the cooperation and the participation, they were thrilling days. They were thrilling days to give thousands and thousands of dollars that we don't even remember to this day what that money would have gone to if we didn't give it to the kingdom of God anyway. Because money just goes through our hands. You know what I mean? but to see the Lord use us. As he, as he does, you, you ponder the things of the Lord and the ways of the Lord and, and how he uses unlikely people and super normal people to accomplish amazing things because he is on your side, right? These were amazing, amazing times. Now, Now, certainly we've had our fair share of Ups and downs as a church, every town has its ups and downs. Sometimes ups outnumber the downs. You know what I'm talking about. Because of the mercy of God, we we experienced a lot of ups, his power and goodness, his, his faithfulness. We will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, we will remember your wonders of old. This, this is certainly the, the faithfulness of God and the provision of God. This has been our anthem. For all of these years. This has been our song. God has been faithful. He has provided for us. He has used our church and the gospel preached here in the lives of thousands of people. Uh, churches have been planted from here. Ministries started and supporting. We've had had weddings and, and families raised. People have gone to be with the Lord. But we've experienced the sustaining grace of God for 35 years. He has been so good to us. And we've had our fair share of downs. Every church experiences trials, and some of our trials have actually been very significant. Our church has not been perfect, and we uh, unfortunately have contributed to pain in people's lives, certainly unintentionally, but, but truly. There are, there are a lot of Christians in our world, and I know that you know this, Uh, who have experienced church hurt, and many of it during some of those decades. And I'm just so sad and will always be sad to know that we were a part of that for people who are out there. That was, of course, never our intention, but we are human. We all stumble in many ways. Of course, we praise God that he is the one who is true, that he is the one that you can rely on, that Jesus Christ is a sure foundation and a sure rock. We praise God that he is a God of redemption, that he redeems broken things, that he redeems sad stories, that he is the one who alone redeems what the enemy meant for evil. We commit all of this to God and his, and his ways and his plan. He's writing everybody's story still. God has always used flawed men and women to accomplish his thing, but, but God's sovereignty and his faithfulness has been our story through all of these years. Now, quickly, we would leave Sovereign Grace Ministries in 2014 for a variety of reasons. Uh, This was a difficult time. It was painful in many ways, but we left under good terms and with a ton of gratitude in our hearts for all that had been invested into us. Uh, But this uh, departure during those days led to yet again one more, can you guess it? We changed our name again. And this makes sense because we were Sovereign Grace Church in connection with Sovereign Grace Ministries, no longer in connection with Sovereign Grace Ministries. So we named our church to Redeemer Church, and we named our church Redeemer Church because of our desire to place what Christ himself is and what he does at the center of who we are. We believe that Jesus redeems. Our church does not. Good pastors don't redeem. Large buildings with lots of people don't. Good programs and ministries don't. Only Jesus Christ, by his power and by his grace, can redeem. He alone. Amen. Jesus Christ has redeemed our lives from the pit. Only Jesus, by his power, can redeem broken people. Only Jesus, by his power and grace, can redeem hopelessness and loss and bring life and power and joy to us. Through his redeeming grace, we are Redeemer Church. And, and I, love, I love the name. I love placing Christ uh, at, at the center through our name because it represents our heart. We want the best thing about our church to be Jesus Christ and what he's doing in us and through us. And that brings us to a month ago. In the the last year, I've told you the story, but just just so that we can remember together again and ponder and reflect on the power and goodness of God. Uh, It was in 2004, So we moved in in 2002. In 2004, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Walker lived across the street. And if you've ever driven by, they own the entire corner. Uh, They have a brick house right across the street. Um, They made us aware of their desire to sell their property. They, They had a son who had passed away a number of years ago and no other living family. It was just the two of them. Um, and they were, they were blue bloods in, in Chesapeake for, for decades and decades, the walkers. Um, and so they, they let us know that uh, they wanted to sell us, if we were interested, uh, their property in 2004. And it was the nine acres surrounding the house. Um, and then they made a deal with us that if we promised not to develop around them while they were alive, that they would sell us the remaining acre and the house upon their death at a fixed cost, an appraised cost in 2004 fixed, minus $30,000 just to bless us as a church. Um, and so we had no idea what, what would happen if, if our facilities would expand at some point. If it did into more seating or, or more development, the issue uh, would become parking, actually, um, so as weird as this might sound, we might have needed that. If we, if we expanded any, we might have needed more space for parking. But we decided that we would uh, purchase the land. We brought it to the church and at that time uh, decided that we should go for it. We raised the money and we had savings. We were able to pay that off very quickly, the nine acres. Uh, Mr. Walker passed away a few years later. Uh, and then uh, Mrs. Walker in October of 2021, made it to her 103rd birthday. (laughs) Yes. And I'll just tell you, because I said we're human. Mrs. Walker, in in her later days, I think that she would call 911 as her, like, patients first. Because I just don't think she wanted to drive anywhere. You know, so she would call them, and they would come and check her out. But she would refuse to go to the hospital which means that we would see ambulances over there. How sad is it to be like looking over at the ambulances? Just wondering, you know, how's Mrs. Walker doing? Because nothing happens until she goes home. And I'm telling you that she just wanted to be with Jesus and to be with her husband and, and her son. And yet the Lord had a really long life for her. And so uh that as, as many of you know we've told this story and, and and many of you have been here through this at the at the members meeting folks we've got mrs walker has gone home to be with the lord which triggered that possibility of purchasing which we were able to do from our savings and so we owned uh, the 11 acres across the street, which land led itself through twists and turns and, and uh, interest from a developer that then started all the planning, city planning process. So a year plus goes by with tons of twists and turns uh, that Greg Dietrich, by the way, inter- interacted with all of it, with the developers and with our attorneys. And finally, just a couple of months ago. Uh, we sold the property completely to a developer who's going to build a, a beautiful neighborhood like the neighborhoods that are going up around Elbow Road. And with those proceeds, we were able to, to pay off the $1.7 million on our building that had been paid down from the $4 million, of course, over all of these years. And here we are. We own this building because of the, the power and goodness and greatness of our God, Right? I mean, this is the Lord's doing. All of this, our, our, our whole story, at each one of these, these twists and turns, it has been God who is at work. It has been God who has seen all of our needs before we even knew them. In 2004, could you imagine God leading us to, to okay, we'll purchase this land, knowing that for, for tw- 20 years later almost, with a whole new generation, Of Redeemer Church, God was going to provide for us today, just like He provided for us in 1997, just like He provided for us in 1987, when all of this was just a dream and a hope that God would establish a church anchored in Jesus Christ and His gospel. So, indeed, Psalm 77 I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God, guys? What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Look, remembering produces gratefulness. It produces joy. They were redeemed of old, and we have been redeemed by Christ. Is it any wonder that Christ gave us the Lord's Supper to remember? To do this in remembrance of me? Because indeed, we are connected to Christ and his gospel. So as we go forward I just want to say three things. This has been our story, but now as we think about going forward, we do want to go forward with gratefulness and joy, with faith to believe that God is at work among us. And if he has brought us thus far, we, can't, we simply can't imagine any more than Barry and Mary Hayes, who were at the, very, at the second meeting of our church plant at the Shanks home, Barry and Mary Hayes, Sitting in that living room that day could hardly have imagined 35 years later and three different churches planted, one in Fredericksburg, one in Charlottesville, sending down to Atlanta pastors to help establish and build. Could never have imagined all that God would do. And yet here we sit, we, we are Redeemer now. Can you even imagine what might be 30 years from now and what pastor might be standing here saying, and yes, you guessed it, in 2027, we changed our name again, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, we don't know. We have no idea what, what ministry your children are going to be a part of. What pastoral team is potentially going to emerge from what's happening across the building right now? What what further churches to be to be planted? What God has has led us this far, and and as we go forward with gratefulness and joy, second we go forward with the foot on the gas pedal. This is not a time to sit back and and coast. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so worthy and so glorious that it invites all of our lives to jump in. Our our mortgage, I'll tell you, our mortgage is gone, but it it was such perfect timing. And of course, because of of God and his wisdom, because we have a 20-year-old building now, we have a $400,000 new air conditioning unit that we have to put on this year. On top of a $250,000 roof that we need to replace here at, at 20 years. And yet, because of your generosity, the current members of Redeemer Church, we can do this. We've got savings for this. We can make this happen. Uh, but it's not a time to take the foot off the gas. And again, not because of air conditioning units or because of, of roofs that need to be replaced. But because of the mission that we're called to. The gospel mission of Jesus Christ, I mentioned in January, we'd like to plant a church again. Our church has recovered from a lot over the years but we we want we want back. We want to plant churches for the glory of God. We want to we are a church planting church and we want to be a church planting church and 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 I mentioned that in January within the next year or two we would love to see another church sent from Redeemer Church continuing the mission of Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel through churches. That's what we want to see done. So we can't, we can't take our foot off the gas by any means. Our continued giving and generosity allows us to continue in the ministry that God calls us to. And, and, and so we go forward with, with gratefulness and joy. We celebrate what God has done for us, but we look forward to all that he's going to do, keeping our foot on the gas. And lastly, we go forward with what has never changed. And worship team, you can, you can join me. We'll, we'll finish here. But we go forward with what has never changed. And and what I mean by that is so many things have changed over the past 36 years here at our church. But what hasn't changed, and I'm so happy to, to report and to celebrate, is our passion for Jesus Christ and his glory. It just hasn't changed. And by God's grace, that'll never change. Here at Redeemer Church, we are passionate about Jesus and the good news that God so loved us that, he, that, that Jesus came and took on flesh to live the life that we couldn't live. Perfect, sinless, righteous. We couldn't do it. Couldn't keep the law. And then was punished. He was, he was crucified on the cross instead of us, for us. So he lived the life that we didn't live. He died the death that we deserved so that all of our sin would go upon him. And we could be brought back to God. The relationship broken by sin could be restored by Jesus Christ who brings us back to God, into the kingdom of God, who, who connects us to the story of God that has existed from eternity past. And the wonder that God is still at work through his son and the good news of his son. And that God is work, at work through his church. The church is Jesus's plan for the salvation of the world until he returns. And you've heard it, he doesn't have a plan B. Jesus Christ has, has swept us into all that he's doing. And we can't even imagine a new heaven and a new earth, which is where we're heading one day, in perfection. Look, we're passionate about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. And and that's 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 never changed. You, you want to know a fun fact, fun fact. The very first song that we sang on this stage on that very first Sunday has the chorus, and you'll recognize it, that continued the prayer and the song for a passion to see the name of Jesus lifted high above all things, and the knowledge of your glory fill the earth, to see the name of Jesus. Lifted high above all things, and a fragrant offering, ascending to the King in every place. Our instinct was to sing that song as the very first song as a church in this space. Capturing our heart. That certainly this is this is not about us, but it's about you, Jesus. And may it always be. Look, we've we've reached another milestone, we've paid off the building. And this is the Lord's doing. But I can't tell you how excited I am for all that God is going to continue to do. Amen? How can we not? Because how can he not continue to move in powerful ways among us? Let's stand together and let's close today with that song we sung the first day as a prayer and a passion for Christ to continue to be made known among us. Lord, may this be, we pray. Amen.